With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Making Change, a podcast on positive change, the art and science of what needs to happen to make ourselves better, to make society better, and to make the earth better. The human mind is the key to reacting in a more constructive way to current events, all of the current events, both the good and the bad and the challenging. Not only can training our thinking help explain what's happening, it gives us a path forward to change our lives, our communities, and our world for the better. It's an exploration of neuroscience, ethics, politics, and the best conflict resolution practices when it comes to the challenges of the world we face and the current events and the opportunities we have to build a better world. I am Mark Gopin, your host. I'm a professor at George Mason University and the director of a center, and I'm very pleased to spend this evening with you. So we want to talk tonight as a follow-up to the previous podcast on what's in a name. And the name that we will focus on tonight is Black Lives Matter versus the name All Lives Matter. I am trained in uh, philosophy and ethics, but I also have done a tremendous amount for 30 years on peacemaking in different parts of the world. And I'm keenly interested in the use of the word and the power of the word to change our minds in one direction or another. We now know from neuroscience that every word that we use has power. We should have known this from all of ancient wisdom literature, from, from the Bible and from many other places and many other traditions, that each word has great power. But that great power we have to determine who we are through the words that we use was only known in terms of its both its positive power to create goodwill, to use the word greetings, to greet everybody every morning, to say peace to you, brother or sister. These kind of greetings are considered blessings around the world as a way of beginning a relationship anew each time that you meet a stranger. And that word was considered so sacred, it could be considered the name of God in many traditions. Peace is the name of God in many ancient traditions. So there was a kind of relationship between peace and greetings and caring for the other as a sacred being. But we also know that cursing has an ancient a taboo against it. We know the power of cursing. We know that when we curse each other, when we get angry, we know how insulting and hurtful it can be, how much it can make people feel like they almost don't want to be alive for a second if those curses come especially from somebody you care about or somebody you thought valued you. So the power of the word through cursing, the power of the word through blessing is an ancient reality. It's an ancient understanding of the human psyche, of the human mind to say, this is powerful and important. Watch every word that you say. Watch every word that you think. Because be careful, because whatever you think you might say, whatever you say in private might end up being said in public. That's an, another ancient bit of wisdom. But the key in neuroscience is now we know that each time you repeat and repeat and repeat a certain word of thought, 
it starts to develop brain patterns and pathways through your mind that starts to determine who you are and who you are vis-a-vis everyone else and how you think in a habitual way. We, we actually can trace this so that if you habituate yourself to certain words, you know, and you curse with that word every, every minute or every hour or even every five minutes, that word is going to become a part of your psyche. It's going to become a part of your philosophy of life. And if, on the contrary, you say 10 times a day, I'm grateful, I'm really happy about this, and you just use that phrase about something that's going well or something that went well at some point in your life, say, I was so happy at that moment. I was so happy at that moment. I look forward to that again. And every time you use the word, I was so happy, it creates a brain pattern that then becomes a part of the way you think and eventually a part of your personality. So this means that everything that we use in social life and even in political life matters. Every word that we use, every phrase that we make. I'm fascinated by conflict. I'm fascinated by conflicts that lead to positive change and and conflicts that lead to very destructive change. And what's the difference between a good conflict and a bad conflict? What a good conflict that leads to deeper understanding and compassion and un, and care for others and a conflict that leads to to great destruction and binary thinking, polar opposite thinking of us versus them, which is highly destructive to life. So this came up in terms of a phrase that I heard that I thought was a great phrase uh, because it, it, it embodied a, a value that is, uh, it, it has ancient virtue to it. It's called all lives matter. And I, I heard that word and I said, yeah, that is what so many of the great wisdom traditions and religious traditions have argued for. Every human being is sacred. Every human being, according to Genesis 1, is created in the image of God. Uh, every human being is, uh, is valued, is infinitely valued. Life is something to be celebrated. And so when you say all lives matter, you're including in a radical way everyone on the planet, basically, including even animal lives. So it's a beautiful phrase. And then I realized as I dug deeper that all lives matter had become a political uh, statement. And that political statement was meant to counteract another statement that had become a hashtag on Twitter and that had become a movement and that this all lives matter was going to counteract that. It was going to be opposed to that other statement. And that other statement is black lives matter. Black lives matter was a hashtag and it, as a reaction to a terrible killing uh, of, a, of a black young man. And as a result, people were so outraged by this shooting that they started, uh, of Trayvon Martin, they started a movement by community organizers, including Alicia Garza and Opal Tomati and, uh, and others. And this was an organization for leadership and dignity that would uh, assert the fact that Black Lives Matter. Now, this came about in a context of a very painful increase in shootings of unarmed black young men that has a long history in the United States, uh, but this has been um, controversial in the sense that this was police 
And this was police claiming in each case that they had good reason to fear for their lives or feel the need to shoot. And sometimes the victims were armed and sometimes they were not armed. But the the notion of the use of force and the use of lethal force uh, against anyone who was suspect became a, a massive controversy because of the unnatural number of black young men who were being killed in this way by police. And this has been the subject of major investigations in terms of not only uh, shootings, but also prison sentences and the differences between the the numbers of people who are convicted between uh, black and white in this country. And it has a long history, and that's the reason why it is such a deeply sore subject. It has a deeply sore subject because this country and and the West in general, Europe in general, had a devastating effect on tens of millions of lives over the last 200 years of forced kidnapping and rape and slavery uh, that became a massive business upon which the economy of the South of the United States depended. This was such a a divisive issue that already in the 1600s in the North, there were efforts to abolish slavery as a a lethal, dirty business that was torturing and slowly killing people and and, and destroying families, separating families forcibly uh, and and using uh, women as um, for, for rape organized rape in terms of ownership of women as slaves. And this became a massive business between Europe, the United States, uh, Africa, South America. This, uh, as you know from, from history, this had different segments to it. There was the segment in which Africans were forcibly kidnapped from different parts of Africa by, uh, by hired hands who would bring them to the coast for delivery to the the passage, the middle passage, it was called, because the goods came from Europe. They sold those goods and got the slaves. They then transported the slaves to places and made a fortune on that. The, The process of kidnapping the Africans from their different places in Africa and bringing them lost several million lives in total. It was a genocide, effectively. And then the Middle Passage was a horror that also killed several million people as they were shipped in unimaginably horrific conditions that forced people to go crazy with suicide. All families were separated. All tribes were separated. All languages were forbidden. And and these these poor uh, victims were devastated in terms of their lives. And then if they made it, if they were among the, the, the four out of 10 who made it to the shores of the West and of the United States, they then were sold into slavery in the most humiliating conditions for work, for rape, for whatever the masters wanted to do to those slaves. And we know that this divided the country and there was a civil war that effectively ended the official uh, institution of slavery, but it was at the same time, it was seared into the minds of millions of people of the horror and the trauma that they had gone through. And their families could never be the same because everybody's families were split apart all over, all over the place. Everyone had 
brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers all in different places, and it was a, a psychological catastrophe uh, of unimaginable proportions. Imagine somebody coming to your town and your home and your family and everyone you know you never ever see again and you never know what happened to them and you're forced to be in slavery to someone else in in China or in Russia and you never see ever again your family and you're in the most humiliating conditions and being assaulted all the time and beaten. This was what happened to black lives, American black lives, who were African and then came here, and these are American black citizens. They bear the scars of this memory. And then, if that wasn't enough, there was the Jim Crow period that went on for decades, where once they actually were considered equal citizens, technically speaking, there was a massive effort to make sure that they never voted. And so what happened was is that they were systematically excluded and they were intimidated to the point of lynchings on a regular basis in various parts of the country and pogroms periodically if they became too successful, if they, if they developed too much of a middle class. So this has gone on since the beginning. And we're almost, we're still practically there in terms of the institutions of segregation that enforce this and make it impossible for black citizens to have the rights and they deserved and the citizenship rights and the voting rights that they deserved to achieve their equal status. It's in that context that the woundedness of that and the massive underclass of poor black citizens and black children and black male children and their confrontation with the police and the abnormal number of shootings of unarmed black young men that gives pause and gives and, and creates rage among those who have been wounded in this way by their history, by the history of what the world uh, perpetrated. Now, when people hear this, in a superficial way, and they don't really understand just how deep the wounds are and how long the recovery is going to take, they get a bit resentful when they see the words Black Lives Matter as if the statement means that no one else matters, only Black Lives Matter. But the fact is that it's not that. that no one ever said only Black Lives Matter as part of this movement. No one ever said only Black Lives Matter when there was demonstrations. It was basically Black Lives Matter too. Black Lives Matter also. So that when you see a young man who's been shot who didn't deserve to be shot, when you see a killer, even a mass killer who's white, who's carefully arrested without ever being shot, and then you see by contrast somebody who basically didn't pay for a cookie or a candy and went out of the store and is shot for that or is shot in the back as he's running away, then it behooves all of us to say, well, what's going on here? And there are some people among us, our fellow citizens, who are going to be very deeply traumatized by watching that happen because they have seen that scene in their mind ever since 
anyone in their families can remember because it used to happen all the time just for the crime of being black and daring to be free, daring to try to be free. And so when they see this, they rise up and they organize and they say Black Lives Matter. And this is where we have to understand each other psychologically. We have to do conflict analysis. We have to practice listening and inquiry into our stories and narratives. We must understand also why some in the majority who happen to be white would suddenly get resentful and say, no, all lives matter. Don't tell me about Black Lives Matter. All lives matter and how they can be manipulated by politicians and those who want to sow hatred between us as fellow citizens, as brothers and sisters, and want to use that hatred in order to get elected or to stay in power, whether they be local politicians or national politicians, or whether they be leaders in other countries who want to see Americans at each other's throat. When we don't talk to each other, when we don't listen to each other's heart, When we don't truly listen to each other's story, we are playing into the hands of those who would destroy us. And that's why it is important to hear everybody's story. The next time somebody says Black Lives Matter, ask them what they mean by it. Ask them why they feel this way. Why is it important? And also, if you have the ability emotionally and psychologically and you hear somebody say all lives matter, Ask them what they mean. Ask them about their story. Ask them what they've been through. Ask them what their family's been through. And then look for the common values that we all have as fellow citizens, as fellow human beings, as fellow human beings who want to do the good and the right in the world. That is the way to move our brain and our minds away from binaries of good versus evil of righteous versus unrighteous, and focus on the values that bind us, the values we share. We all share the value that human lives should not be wasted, that human lives should be honored, that even animal lives are worthy, that compassion is what makes us human, that hearing each other's story makes us more intelligent, it makes us more thoughtful, it makes us more principled. But throwing slogans at each other without thinking and without listening generally makes us worse, and it makes our enemies stronger. It makes the people who want to take advantage of us, it makes them stronger. So this is what I'm I'm reflecting on in terms of these two very interesting, important phrases, Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter. Listen to everyone's story, and then look for the common bonds that heal, the common bonds that build dignity, that create a covenant, a social contract between all Americans. This is the path forward. This is what the great philosophers and scholars and the great prophets wanted us to do. Don't let anybody do it in such a way that you're manipulated into doing the opposite. You have the capacity with your own mind to rise above others who want to manipulate you. Focus on what we have in common. Focus on the love and compassion that are natural to the human being 
and that help the mind of the human being grow and flourish and develop new discoveries to help the whole planet and the earth flourish far into the future. So, welcome to Making Change, this podcast on positive change, the art and science of what needs to happen to make ourselves better, to make society better, and make the earth better. Have a wonderful, blessed evening. I am Mark Open, your host. Take care, and see you again very soon. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.